going on, Victory Church? How you doing this morning? So good to see you, man. Hey, my name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us, let me say welcome. I'm so glad you're here, as Pastor Brian said so well, for you to come through the rain, for you to come in and be able to check this out. We, we are family, and we believe that. We want you to be a part of the family. But we understand that when you go to family reunions and you're a visitor, it's awkward, and we understand that. And so we want to be able to create the best environment for you to get to know people, get connected. And as Malcolm said, Growth Track is the way to do that. I want to take just a second, I want to talk about this series that launches next Sunday called More. We as a church believe that in the end of 2018, God spoke to us that the year of 2019 would be the year of more. Ephesians 3.20, that he would do immeasurably more than we could ever ask and imagine. And so for the church, that believes that, that means more people giving their heart to Jesus and more impact in our community and more people joining the dream team and more lives impacted and people baptized and families healed and all that. But we also believe that it means more for you personally and more for your personal life, whether that has to do with your relationships or your finances or your education or whatever that might be. We just believe 2019 is going to be the year of more. And I want to take a few weeks and I want to talk you through what God's responsibility and role is for you in that concept of experiencing more. Because I believe and this church believes that you're here on purpose because you have a purpose. And we want to walk through uh, what God's anointing is and calling on your life is and how that's going to look. We're going to walk through the vision of the church, some of the things that we have done and are doing, and we're going to get all prepped for Easter where we're just believing God's going to do some great things. So the next eight weeks are going to be quite a series where we're breaking that up into what that looks like. And so I'm excited about it. You excited about it? How many say, I want more? There we go. I I believe it's going to happen. But before we jump into that, We do finish today our relationship series called Scary Close. We've been saying, look, every one of us deal with relationships on a daily basis, whether it's your spouse, your dating relationship, your baby mama, your your baby daddy, your uh, co-worker, your boss, your friends, whatever it might be. We all have relationships. And so until we get those things balanced, our life is always going to be off balance. And so we've been kind of walking through the first week we said, hey, look, for you to have healthy relationships, You have to be healthy. Right off the bat, we took the blame off of them and put it on us and said, we have to be healthy. Then the next week, we said, well, how do you deal with difficult people? And we walked through because we all have difficult people in our lives. And then last week, we kind of broke down the benefits of having a small group, the benefits of having friends around you. And we did all of that leading up to today so that after service, you could go out there and and hear about small groups, and there's so many. There, there's, a, there's a specific one for women called Empowered Women, right? Yeah. And so the women of victory, they don't play no games. They're serious. And so that's going to be an incredible group. There's, there's a group where they break in, they're breaking down the book of Ephesians, where they're just going through. Those of you that just love to study the Bible, they're breaking down the book of Ephesians. There's different book studies, one called Pressure Points, and there's different gatherings. There's one group, I love this group, where you walk and talk about Jesus. And so you're literally getting healthy uh, physically while you get spiritually healthy. Can I get an amen, right? You know what I'm saying? It's just beautiful. And then there's this new group that we're launching that I'm really excited about called Victory Groups. And, and we're launching that because we believe that there are people in here who say, hey, look, I, I'm, I'm kind of stuck in a situation in my life and I want freedom. Or, or maybe you're new to the faith and you're wanting to understand what it means to actually be free. Jesus says that the one, uh, you shall be set free, free indeed. And what does that mean? And so just walking through all of that. So listen, here's the catch. If you're here, or you're all the way over here, there's a small group for you. 
and it's important for you. And if you weren't here last week and you don't know why you need a small group, listen to that message and hear it because this Sunday and next Sunday will be sign-ups. You can sign up on the app, but more than likely I'd like you to go out in that lobby and talk to the teachers and hear a little bit about the class and shake a hand. If you're new, you say, hey, I don't really want to jump into the middle of a small group. Well, here's what's good. This is the beginning. And so that semester's already ended. It ended months ago, and this is a brand new semester. So you are just as new as everybody else in the building. Amen? All right, so sign up. Be a part of that. We'll talk more about it. Pastor Brian's got a surprise. I don't even know what that surprise is. All right, so that's an interesting situation for me. Um, so there we go as, as the pastor of the church. But I'm just believing God's going to do great things through small groups. So we bring Scary Close to an end today. You excited for this? And before we get into scripture, I want to invite my wife, Darla, up. She's going to help me today for the very first time. We are going to do kind of a co, co-teaching type thing. We've never done this before at Victory Church, so this could get really, really interesting. I've tried to beg her, uh, please don't say stories and things that the church doesn't need to know about me. Uh, they have to come in every week and, and, you know, think that I at least talk to God. And so we need, we need to be able to, um, hello, everybody give it up for my wife real quick. And we just, like, I am married, in case you're wondering, like, he always says, darling, we don't know who she is. And so um, I, I want to take him. If you got your Bibles, open to the book of Genesis chapter 29. And so we've been talking about relationships between Jesus and Judas, and we've talked about relationship between Mary and Martha, and last week we talked about a, a made-up relationship with the Good Samaritan and some people involved in that story, and today we're going to look at a scandalous triangle of relationships, but it's going to bring out something I think is very profound. You'll see this. This is a story about Jacob and two women named Rachel and Leah, okay? So you ready? Genesis 29, you can either look in your Bible, look online on your phone, the words will be behind me. Here we go. Now, Laban had two daughters. So Laban's the father, two daughters. Name of the older daughter was Leah, and the name of the younger daughter was Rachel. Now, Leah had weak eyes. <laughs> Wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like for your dad to be introducing you and you're like, man, this is my daughter right here? Because watch this. But Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. That's the way of saying Leah had a good personality. You know what I'm saying? That's what that is. Like, you know, Rachel's pretty. Leah, she's she, she funny. She's funny. Uh, but, but Jacob was in love with Rachel, no surprise there, and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. So I'll work for you for seven years if I can get that pretty woman, not the one with the weak eyes. <laughs> Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man, <laughs> right? So stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. Men? Never mind, I won't go that route. Uh, <laughs> But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Everybody say, oh, this is the biggest bogus stuff I've ever heard in my life. That felt like seven years is what that felt like. <laughs> then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed, and I want to make love to her. Sorry if you've got kids in here. That's why we have V-Kids. Um, so Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. Everybody go, uh-oh. uh-oh. And Jacob made love to her. Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant, and when, moving, when morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob says to Laban, what is this you've done to me? You gave me old weak eyes. I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you? This is the Bible, y'all. Don't, don't say the Bible's boring. It's not boring. We're boring, all right? And so why have you deceived me, Laban replied. It's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Now finish this daughter's bridal week. Finish your honeymoon at Sandals, and then we'll give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. And so Jacob did so, and he finished this week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. 
Laban gave his servant Bilhah, in case you're looking for, in case you're pregnant, you're looking for a, a baby name. There you go. To his daughter Rachel as her attendant. When you see, when you see you in the living room, like, Bilhah, get over here. Uh, Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for lazy eyes. And he worked, I'm sorry, for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. All of you right now are like, how in the world is he going to get a sermon out of that <laughs> episode of Young and the Restless? Okay. Um, so here's the deal. In, in our culture, when relationships get difficult, and I'm not talking about just married relationships, even though that's what's happening in the story. I'm talking about relationships with your coworkers, every, every aspect. When they get difficult, culture tells us to do what? To flee, to quit, to, to just let it go, to find another one. And what this is showing us is that healthy relationships take work. Okay, healthy relationships across the board take work. And so I thought it'd be fun for Darla and I for a moment to just present you three principles, okay? Throughout this series, we've kind of set you up with different things, but today we want to give you three principles to a healthy relationship. And they apply across the board. So if you're dealing with your kids, these are three principles you need to have as a parent. If you're dealing with your parents, these are three principles you need to have as a child. If you're dealing with a coworker or a boss, these are three principles you need to apply to your work life. If you're dealing with a spouse or a dating relationship, or again, or a baby daddy or a baby mama or whatever the situation, if, if you just ended a marriage or you're about to begin a marriage, if, if you've had four marriages and, or you've been in one for 80 years, it doesn't matter what season of life you're in. It doesn't matter if you want to get in a relationship or don't want to get in. You need these three principles in your life. You need them because they're going to help you across the board. Amen? Amen? Principle number one. You ready? Be committed to communication. Be committed to communication. Let me show you verse 25, 26. Now watch this, okay? When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? But now watch Laban's response. It's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. If it's a custom and Jacob didn't know it, it tells me that Jacob rushed into this relationship without communication. Because if he would have had any kind of communication with her dad, he would have known their custom. But because he didn't have communication, he kind of rushed into it and now he's in a very difficult situation, right? We need good communication. Some of us don't like communication. We avoid it at all costs, and I came up with the best example to give you if you're right now going, do I avoid communication? You ready? Here it is. If you call someone and secretly pray that their voicemail picks up, you don't like communication. You know what I mean? You don't want to talk to them. There it is. You just don't like communication. But hear me. Poor communication, if we're not careful, will come off disguised as deception. Jacob said, you deceived me. But it wasn't deception, it was poor communication. Can I tell you an example of that? When I met Darla, okay, now I was, I don't know, 16, 17 years old or so. Darla was about 24, and so, I'm kidding, that's a joke. Um, but, but I had met Darla at church, I had seen her on stage leading worship, and I was like, I was the Rachel description, not the Leah description. And so, and, and so I, was, you know, I told Pastor Brian, because I knew him then, I said, hey man, you know, I got to know her, and she was dating a dude named Bumper at the time. 
right? Like, I don't have a car part name, so I don't know how I'm going to be able to. And so, so anyway, so connection. So, so I started, I liked her, but she was going away to college. And so I became really good friends with some of her friends. And so one day she was in town from being in town from college, and they were all in a little girl huddle that y'all do, talking all that. And I walked up ready to spit game because that's how I roll, you know what I mean? And, and I came into the situation, and she had her phone, and here's what I heard her say. She goes, y'all, look at my kiddos. And I stopped in my tracks. I was like, she got kids? Y'all, she was like, what, maybe 18? I was 17, something like that. I was like, she has kids? It ruined all of my dreams. I didn't want kids then. I barely want them now. You know what I mean? And so I was, I'm kidding. That's a joke. And so um, I, I was like, oh, my God. And so instead of getting involved in the communication, I totally ignored it. And I went on about my way. And a couple weeks later, she went back to Auburn and months go by. And this whole time, my dream is ruined because I'm convinced that this girl has kids. And not just a kid, two kids. And not just babies, but they're like old. And I'm like, what happened, right? What, what, what was her childhood like? And so I'm just trying to figure all that, process that out. And I'm talking to one of her friends one day. And one of her friends goes, she doesn't have kids. I was like, yes, she does. She was showing you pictures. And she was like, these are my kids. She was like, no, those are the kids she babysits. And I was like, oh. Then I was mad. It's like, she lied to me. And then I realized she didn't deceive me at all. It was just what? Poor communication. What I thought was deception was actually poor communication. So, babe, why don't you give us an example of what good communication is? I will do that. You do your thing. You sit down. Yes, sir. It's my turn. (laughs) Just kidding, you guys. Um, I actually just want to take a second just to say what an honor it is for me to be up here and to actually share the stage with my husband because, to me, he is one of the greatest communicators, like, ever. I know I talked to many of you after service, and y'all are just, like, blown away, and I'm like, I know, right? Me too. Like, I get just as much out of his messages, so it's actually really an honor for me to share the stage with you, babe. So thank you for having me up here today. Can we just honor our pastor real quick and give him a hand? What you trying to get? Look, I'm just setting him up because I'm about to tear him down. (laughs) I'm just kidding. A little bit. Um, No, so we wanted to just break down communication for you guys really quickly. And, of course, we're going to do it in an easy-to-remember way. We're going to start every letter with the same letter, the letter C. It's just the way we do things around here at Victory Church. So good communication looks like this. It's consistent. It's constructive, and it's courteous, okay? And I'll break that down a little bit for you. Communication has to be consistent, meaning we have to do it all the time. We have to kind of decide that we're just going to have an open-door policy when it comes to communication because if you don't, y'all know this happens. You come into a conflict with somebody, and you should confront them. You should talk about it, but then what happens? You you let it sit and you let it fester and then you create these thought bubbles over their head and you already know what they're going to say and you have this conversation. You play it over and over and over in your head and days and weeks and months, maybe years go by without you communicating with this person. And then finally one day you decide to communicate and they've said, it comes to light that that's not at all what they were thinking. I wish you would have come to me before. How many of you have had that happen before, right? We do this. We, 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 we get scared and we don't open that door of communication and we allow these things to set and fester and and it ends up causing a, a rift that really shouldn't have even been there and of course you know I have a story about it so um Troy and I when he was the youth pastor this was years ago um back in Memphis when he was a youth pastor and I was a stay-at-home mom I was watching um children from my home um this was when we just had Veda and I was also watching uh, my nieces and nephews at the time so um we we did not have the best communication then, um, and so I'm sure some of you can relate to this. So 
in, in his mind, I'm staying at home. So, like, I'm kicking back, relaxing. I'm eating bonbons all day. The kids are blissfully playing on the quilt that I've made in all my spare time. They're playing with tinker toys. And, of course, I'm going to have dinner ready and made for him when he gets home and chocolate chip cookies waiting for him. This is his, this is his mindset of what's happening Pause for survivor, me make my food. as a stay-at-home mom. You so, need to hush. Yes. You're in the seat. And so, and so in my mind, I'm thinking he's at work. He's around adults. That's a win for him, number one. And he gets to have conversation with grown people. He gets to go out to lunch with his friends. He don't have to deal with these kids all day long. And so here we're, we're each having this perspective of how the other person's day is going. And so then when we come home at the end of the day, I'm resenting him for not just immediately coming into my rescue and saying, babe, you go take a bath. I'll take care of the kids. Don't worry. And he's coming in thinking, uh, saying, you know, I wish she'd ask me about my day. I wish she'd, you know, see how, you know, ask me about what I need help with. So we're both secretly thinking this, right? But do we talk about it? No. That sounds like a silly idea. Why would we do that? So this goes on for, for a long time. We live our life like this, and slowly this resentment is building and building and building. And finally, um, in the bathroom, which is where all of our come-to-Jesus meetings happen for some reason, it just happens in the bathroom. And so we just finally are like, we could, the, the, the tense, you know, the air was just getting really thin. And so finally we were like, we got to talk. And so we had this conversation, and he let me know where he was. I let him know where I was, and we both said, we're basically in the same place. Why haven't we? It was kind of like a light bulb, like, oh, I didn't even know. I didn't realize that you felt that way. And he said the same thing for me. And I'm like, so why didn't we talk about this before? Because when, when you're putting yourself out there to be vulnerable, you're scared. You don't want to put your true feelings out there because you're scared that the other person may not reciprocate. They may not have um, the same thoughts as you do. But we cannot let that fear stop us from communicating because it's, it, it creates this unhealthy pattern. And so that's, that's when we decided to break that pattern. And so we just asked each other, what do you need from me? And y'all, that simple question will take your relationships, no matter who they're, in, who they're involved with, that will take your relationships to the next level. Ask your Coworkers, how can I show up better for you this week? Ask your spouse, how can I show up better for you this week? Ask your teenagers, <gasps> they will freak out. They'll freak out because they, you're putting their needs first. They're, you're putting them in front of yourself, which is, we all know, that's the way it should be. That's the way the Bible teaches us. You know what I mean? Love others as you want to be what? Loved. Yeah. Ask whoever you're in a relationship with, how can I show up best for you? This week, and if you can establish that um, that principle of consistent communication, I'm telling you guys, it will dissolve many arguments and 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 things that that tend to build over time. You know, we we when we wait and we don't have an open door policy with communication, we give it momentum, we give it life right? When we, when we have something that we know, we have a conversation, we know we need to talk about, but we let it sit in our brain. Y'all, that is the worst place to leave it. Y'all know our brain is like a toxic place. We have this negative self-talk all the time. Like I said before, we ha end up having these conversations, and we, we are believing them to be true, and they haven't even happened yet. Why? 
because we're not having consistent communication. So that is key number one, to be consistent in your communication. Second C of communication is for it to be constructive. You guys finish this sentence for me. If you don't have anything nice to say. Don't say it at all. Come on, with a little bit more passion. If you don't have anything nice to say. Don't say it at all. Don't say anything at all. We all teach that to our kids, right? It's such a good principle, and it's for a good reason. We shouldn't say things if it's not helpful. Now, I'm going to tell myself a little bit here. You guys know, if you know me at all, you know I'm a very passionate person. I, I will tell you what I think, always in love, hopefully. Um, but I haven't always been like that, right? So I've had moments, we've had moments in our marriage, and Troy's a very passionate person too, so we kind of go back and forth in this way. But y'all know that the car is like the devil's playground, right? So whenever you're in the car and you're like traffic is going, it's like the perfect place for you to show your flesh, right? And so we would just be, just this, just, just for an instance, we'd be driving in the car car and I would maybe want him to go a different way and I would tell him that and it, it's just one of those things that doesn't really matter but it would cause this like you know this fight to come out of nowhere and it's like well does it really matter well yeah it does because if you go this way then you're gonna you know shave 30 seconds off your trip and you just need to listen to me because I'm right and and it just causes this unneeded, you know, argument that, that it's just ridiculous. And so we just, I started asking myself this. I heard this a long time ago, and this is something that, this is just a little trick that you can ask yourself. If you're wondering, is this something I need to say or not? Ask yourself, is it going to matter in three seconds? Is it going to matter in three days? Is it going to matter in three weeks? And so if you'll take this, whatever situation, you know, you're thinking about, say you have to have a conversation with a coworker at work over something maybe, maybe that's a little petty or something like that. And does it, does it really matter? Is it going to matter in three seconds? If it affects your work, then yes, absolutely have that conversation. But it's just a good trick to, for you to ask, your, ask going forward in conversation. If it's going to be constructive, then yes. Another hot seat for us is in the kitchen. I'm usually the cook, but I do love it when he wants to cook, but... You know, sometimes, sometimes he needs a little help. You know what I mean? He just needs a little help. Get away from me. But, but so sometimes I might have a different way, a different way of doing something. And so I have to ask myself, am I gonna, is it going to be helpful to him if I take over or not? Like, you know what I'm saying? Is it going to be constructive? No. Let him do it the way he's going to do it. And, and just let him be free in the kitchen. You know what I'm saying? You scramble those eggs, baby. Yes. So good. <laughs> so just, jelly, just remember that, that, that rule. It's, it just applies. It's just a good reminder. It just applies in every area of our life. If it's not helpful, don't say it. I te I'm teaching Beta this right now. Like I feel like I say it every single day because she feels like she has to comment on every little thing, especially coming, you know, dealing with her little sister. It's like you don't, if it doesn't matter, then don't say it. But if it matters, then say it in love. Be constructive. Lastly, and this is my favorite one to talk about, good communication has to be courteous. So uh, y'all tell me, what do you think is the most common form of communication these days? Shout it out. Yes, texting. Absolutely. Now, do you have to listen when you're texting somebody? No. no. Do you have to worry about what your face is looking at like or your body language when you're texting somebody? No, texting is awesome for that reason, because you don't have to, you can let the emojis do the work for you, right? I could be laying in bed like a sleeve. I still hadn't wiped the crusties out of my eyes. My hair is all to one side, but I'm like, good morning with the sunshine and the bright eyes. And I can just put out this, what, this mood, whatever I want to over text message. 
doesn't necessarily translate in face-to-face conversations. So we can't like multitask while we're having conversations because that says we're not interested, right? So we have to remember when we're communicating, the best thing you can do is to listen. God gave us two ears and one mouth. It says in James 1.19, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. It's all throughout scripture. It's funny because my daughters will... They're like a good mirror reflection of all my bad habits because they just copy me. And so I get to see like, oh, you got that for me. That's nice. Okay, need to change that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And so one of those things is our posture of listening, right? So um, sometimes, y'all, moms, moms and dads can relate. Once your child has said, mommy, look, mommy, look, mommy, look, mommy, watch, daddy, 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 look, daddy, watch, daddy, come here. I want to tell you something. I want to show you something. Come here, come here. For like the twelfth dozenth time, I start to not want to pay attention quite as much. You know what I mean? And I'm so so my posture of listening looks something like this. Uh-huh. Oh, it's beautiful, honey. Oh, I love it. It's so good. Yeah, uh-huh. Oh yeah, I heard you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is my this is my posture. And I'm guilty of that. And so then when I go to correct my daughters, because I'm trying to show them how to be respectful, right? When somebody's talking to you, you look them in the eyes, you be still, you're not fidgeting and like trolling around. You're like, I'm listening, mommy. No, you're not. You're playing. Be still and listen to me. But then I'm thinking, what am I modeling for them? You know, when they're trying to get my attention, I'm scrolling sometimes. And so I'm not modeling what I want to teach them. And so that was a good check for me to say, what is my posture when I am communicating with people? I got to let y'all know something. One of my pet peeves is poor eye contact when I'm talking to somebody. Woo! If I'm talking to you, I want, I want your gaze. I want your gaze. You know, when you've been talking to somebody and, they're, and they're, the eyes are just darting everywhere. It's like, are there miss? Am I being shot at? What is happening right now? What, what is going on? I feel like I should be concerned. You know what I mean? So that's just one of my things. I want, when we're talking to each other, I want, I think eye, eye contact communicates, I value what you're saying. What you're saying is important to me. Even if it's not, that's okay. You can communicate that. So with my children, even if they're going on and on about Paw Patrol or My Little Pony or whatever it is, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Because I want them to know that I value them. You know what I mean? So, so our body language, our facial expressions, is, there's so much to that in good communication and being a courteous communicator. You have to be a good listener, you guys. Otherwise, it just won't work, right? Tell them the story, the rest of the story, babe. Okay, so real quick, um, in Genesis 29, there's a part in verse 25 that's my favorite part. I was studying it more and more this week, and this jumped out to me, and I want to show you. It says, when morning came, there was Leah. Right? I love this because it presents it like it's just out of nowhere. Like, oh, there was Leah. As if he didn't just sleep with her the whole night, right? Like, oh, there's Leah. There she is. Like this dysfunction just kind of came out of nowhere. And here's what's funny when we have poor communication. Is when we have poor communication, we'll often feel like the dysfunction in our relationships came out of nowhere. Like, like where did it, where did this, where, why, why are you acting like that? Why, 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 why all of a sudden are you doing that? As if, look, here's the, here's the principle for Jacob. Leah was there the whole time. There was just no communication. Had he spoke to her, he would have known. That sounded like lazy eyes. You know what I mean? Like he would have known. He would have known that there was dysfunction there had there been communication. So I saw this illustration. I'm going to use you, babe. Come stand right here for a second. I saw this illustration that I love to use when we do marriage counseling or anything. We love to use this, this concept about communication. But 
normally, stay right here, normally I would use bricks, but I thought it would be fair since we're putting our family on display that we would use toys from our kids. All right, so here's what ends up happening a lot of times in our relationship is something happens, we'll use this, something happens that's so random, like, man, I told her I wasn't going to take the trash out, and she blew up on me. What's that about, right? Like, it's, like, there was Leah. It was just one of those kind of moments. And so that's normally the situation, and it just kind of blows up. And here's what we say. We say, man, I don't know what I did. This, this, I, just, I just didn't take the trash out, and it was just like World War III in there. It was crazy what happened. But let me show you why that's a problem of poor communication. Because here's what actually happened. What actually happened is that that week, my wife had done a lot of stuff around the house, and I didn't acknowledge any of it. Right? I never said, hey, thank you for cleaning the house. Thank you for that. Anyway, then there was that day where I wasn't busy working on the couch. And this is Leah, by the way. Um, I, I was on the couch working, and she had to put both girls to bed. And I never went and said, hey, thank you. I never said, hey, can I help you? Because I was in the middle of working, right? Then there was that day where I got that meeting at coffee, and then I had another meeting of coffee. Then I had a lunch meeting, and then I had another coffee meeting. And the entire day, she had to go pick up the kids from school. And she's the one that had to deal with them, and she's the one that had to help them out with homework and so on. And then, guess what? I'm going to need you to hold that. And then, and then Valentine's Day came along, and I told her, I said, hey, look, cards are really expensive. Y'all know cards are like $7 now? Someone should go to jail for that. And so I was like, you know, that's really, that's really hard. So I, didn't, I got her like, you know, just one, one rose, and I told her in passing, happy Valentine's Day. And then, then we just continued, and, you know, now all of a sudden she just, There we go. You hang on to him. And all of this miscommunication is building up. All this lack of communication is building up. And she's starting to get overwhelmed and starting to get weak. And now all of a sudden, I don't take out the trash. And now we understand, oh, it was never this. It was the buildup of all of the poor communication in my relationship. And so why is my boss all of a sudden mad at me because I turned in that, you know, that email five minutes late? It wasn't the email. It was all of the miss and poor communication that built up. Why is my kid acting a fool in this restaurant when I told her she couldn't get a grilled cheese? It wasn't the grilled cheese. It was the poor communication building up. Every relationship we have when we continue to have poor communication, we set ourselves up, you can just drop all that in there, for it to finally fall. And I'm, listen, I'm trying to teach us when it comes to the relationships that it's not as big of a surprise as we think it is. We didn't just wake up and, uh, there was my marriage problem. There was my problem with my friend. There was my problem at my job. There was my problem with my kid. There was my problem with my parents. Does it work that way? It's been poor communication that's built up, built up, built up, built up. It was there with you all along. You were in bed with the dysfunction all along. You just didn't communicate enough to see it. So we have to be committed to communication. Number two, we have to put value in vision. We have to put value in vision. Watch, I know I've joked a lot about this, but you got to read this, okay? The only description we get about Leah is this. She has weak eyes. So you've got one relationship that's unsuccessful and one relationship that is successful. And one, the difference that's, spread, that, that's put out before us is that she has weak vision. Any relationship we have in our life that is unhealthy, you can guarantee that it's probably because it has a weak vision. 
Now, this might be new to you. You mean to tell me that I have to have a vision for every relationship? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Every relationship in your life is a potential vision-casting opportunity. And listen to this. If you're not casting vision for it, you are casting vision for it. If you don't have clear expectations on what you want to happen in this relationship, you are setting a vision for it. You're a vision caster for your kids. Everybody's like, that makes a lot of sense. But did you know you're a vision caster for your boss? You're a vision caster for your coworkers. You're a vision caster for your spouse. You're a vision caster for the one that you're dating. You're a vision caster for the mother and father of your children, whether you're married to them or not. You're setting vision for what you expect out of them. Author Donald Miller says this, that relationships are teleological. Here's what he says, that they are alive and moving. Every relationship you have is alive or moving. In other words, no relationship is stagnant. No relationship just sets still. It's either moving forward or it's moving backwards. I'll give you a really, really quick example. When me and Pastor Brian were, were apart, he, he was traveling a lot in different, living in different states, and I was in Memphis. I didn't, I didn't quite know how to handle the, my life and all the, all the things that were going on in my life. And, our, and our, I, I very rarely would communicate with him. He would call me all the time, call me, text me. And I just was so unorganized and stressed out in my life that I just wouldn't answer the phone call. And I'm thinking in my mind that our relationship is being still, that it's paused. Right? It's not growing, per se, because we don't have a lot of time together because he lives in Green Bay. I'm in Memphis. I'm thinking it's paused. I found out that through that time it was declining because he was losing that opportunity with me. You see what I'm saying? So every relationship we have is either growing or declining. We have vision. Why don't you share with them real quick the vision behind our first date, per se. Oh, this is going to be so fun. I'm going to stand up in case I need to. Leave my mic on because I might have to comment on this. <laughs> She'd be tripping. Okay, so you guys, Troy, you already know this, but because he still has a little swag to him, but y'all, back when I met him, he had some real swag, which is what I liked about him, okay? He was very confident without being cocky. Guys, take that in. Be confident without being cocky, okay? There is a difference. Preach, somebody. Be confident without being cocky. Sorry, guys. It's attractive. And so I was attracted to that in him. Well, he was confident, all right, and I'll tell you uh, in a minute what I mean by that. So we were starting to talk a little bit, but it was a little under the radar. So we're both like youth sponsors, like youth leaders at this time. And so we're, I'm very like, you know, no PDA. Well, I'm not trying. I'm, we're around teenagers. We're leading them kind of thing. So it was a Sunday night. We used to go to Burger King after Sunday night service. So we were down at the Burger King hanging out, talking to everybody, having a good time. Well, it was time to go. And um, so the night before, uh, Troy goes to walk me to my car. And so let me pause this, that story there. The night before, um, Troy and I had, uh, or a couple of nights before, had gone on a double date with some friends of ours who were thinking about, you know, starting something up. And so we, being the mutual friends, just decided to go for more for moral support. He and I had not really spent much time outside of church. And so I'm home from college. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm just having fun, right? I'm not looking to get into a relationship. I've just gotten out of a long relationship. I'm home for the summer from college. I just want to, girls, just want to have fun. That was my mindset. And so I was just going to have fun. And so we went bowling. So the guys, being the guys that they are, came up with this little wager, little bet. And they said, okay, whoever gets a strike gets a kiss. Did you hear that? Whoever gets a strike gets a kiss. 
Well, nobody was getting strikes that night. True. So they had to lower the standard a little bit and like, okay, okay. If you can hit a pin. Whoever, <laughs> wasn't that extreme. He said, whoever gets a spare, whoever gets a spare gets a kiss. And we're like, okay, whatever. You know, we're just having fun, flirting or whatever. And so. I got a spare. He gets a spare. And so then he comes over to me and he's like, did you see that? I got a spare. Why y'all laughing? <laughs> and so I was a woman of my word. So I gave him a little peck. Little peck. And so that like, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was the extent of it. And so then, so we keep talking, you know, um, I end up putting my number in his phone or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, and so um, the couple nights go by. So we're talking and everything. And so he walks me to my car. Okay, so we're back at Burger King now. The youth are there. We're hanging out in the parking lot. We're kind of winding things down. And so he's like, well, here, I'll walk you to your car. So he walks me over. And y'all, this is the line that will forever go down in our, our story, our history. With all the swag, all the swag that he's got. You guys got a picture. You know, he used to have earrings and, and like, just dress really good. <laughs> don't, don't hide now, honey. Come here. No, I need you. I need you right here, front and center. So he walks me to my car, puts his hand on my waist, and he's like, can we do like we did the other night at the bowling alley? And leans in and kisses me, like full on. And I'm, I'm, I'm literally like eyes wide open because I'm like, we are not there yet. Okay, you need to back up off me. And so we kiss, and then he backs up and sees my eyes like this, and he's like, well, what's, what's wrong? I'm like, I got to go. And I just get in my car and drive off because the whole time in my mind, I'm thinking, there are people here. We, have, we are youth leaders. We are youth sponsors. And they're watching. And I'm like freaking out. And I'm like, how bold of you. But it was, it was a good line, though. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, yeah. can we do like we did last night at the bowling Look, alley? Here, here's the situation. I he had vision though. for the relationship, right? <laughs> men, can I get an amen, men? Can I get some love? Thank you. You know, I had some vision. And a brother said, can we do like we did last night at the bowling alley? And, hey, I got her. You know what I'm saying? I put a ring on it. You know what I'm trying to say? I put some vision behind it. Listen, listen. Proverbs 29, 29 18 says this. Without vision, people perish. I believe it also should say this. Without vision, relationships perish. That's good. Uh, I, I, I have vision then. I got vision now. Vision for every relationship, every relationship in your life, it's going to go, listen to this, where you guide it, okay, where you guide it. You have to decide right now, every relationship in your life, what's your vision for it? When it comes to your boss, what's your vision? Where do you want to be in your company? Your boss needs to know the vision that you have between you and him. For your kids, I had the most, the, the coolest moment I watched between her and Veda just a couple days ago, so I'll explain it. The, the Veda's outside playing with some of the kids in our neighborhood, and they were playing in the backyard, and we live in these townhomes that have like a backyard, and they decided to go to the front yard, and when they went to the front yard, the kids were playing in the street, and we don't let our kids play in the street because we don't want to pay hospital bills. And so Veda comes in, and she's trying to explain, like, you know, I want to be able to go out with them, and Darla's saying no, and she's arguing, and all of a sudden, Darla said this. She said, I'm your parent. I set expectations for you. Because she was saying, they're, they're out there and they're out there. And here's what I heard. As we are prepping for this message, I heard her say this. She didn't say it, but this is what I could hear the Spirit of God say. I set the vision for you. Mm. It's my responsibility to set the vision for you. Yeah. 
Every one of us should be setting vision for our relationship. I thought about this as you were talking, babe. It's funny. I saw one of these toys in here. How many of y'all are familiar with this toy right here? Y'all know what I'm talking about, where you have to put the square peg in the square hole? Some of y'all couldn't do this until you were 53. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you just, uh, uh, and it just watch this. It just, it, just, it just goes. It's beautiful. Right? Beautiful. Do you know why this works? Here's why this works. Because you have established what this is, and you've established what this is. And so it works. This is vision for relationships. What are we? What's the vision? I need, to, I need to understand what we are so that I can understand where we're going, and it works. The problem is we don't acknowledge or identify the relationships in our life, and this is what's happening all the time. All, why, what, what's wrong with us? Because you haven't established vision. You need to value the vision and the relationships in your life. It makes sense? Yeah. All right, number three. So number one, you got to be communicated or, or committed to communication. Number two, you got to put value in vision. Number three, you have to let action follow affection. As I was studying these verses, I, I never really, I, I'd seen this, but it was really popping out to me. Watch this. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. You can go ahead and put that verse up behind me. Uh, and Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. Watch this. And he worked for Laban another seven years. Did you catch that? The first time he worked seven years and then he got Leah. This time he got Rachel and then he worked another seven years. So this time he got the love and then the labor followed. See, we have to let labor follow love. It can't just be an explanation of love. It has to be a demonstration of love. So every relationship you have, you have to understand, you can't just express love and expect it to be okay. You can't just say, hey, we're friends and not expect to put some work into it. You know what I mean? You can't just say we're going to date. You can't just say I'm going to work for you and not expect to put some work into it. Labor's going to follow love. I thought I would end with one more story about us that, that I thought was kind of funny. Because I want to show you that you can't just explain love. You've got to demonstrate love. So I told Darla I love her many, 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 many times. Okay? We were young married. Darla was babysitting in this, like, four-story mansion-type house because you only babysit for rich people because you can get a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? Uh, amen. And so, um, sorry, that's so not ethical. And so, um, so we, what, what I would do on Saturday nights, because we, we worked at the church, and I would preach on Sunday mornings, and so I wanted to go home in our house, sleep in my bed, take a shower in our So I would go and hang out with her all night till midnight, 1, 2 in the morning. Then I would drive to our house and go to sleep. That's just kind of how Saturday nights went when she babysat. So one Saturday night, I'm there till midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, whatever. I get in the car. I'm headed home, and she calls me on the way there. And she goes, hey, babe, I heard a noise. I said, what? Now, I have to tell you, this mansion was scary, all right? It was just, I mean, I, I like to live in a home where I can stand in one spot, and I can see every room in the house. You know what I'm saying? Because if I hear a creak, I want to know, ain't nobody in here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can see you. And so it was four stories that scared me. And so I said, you, you heard what? She said, I heard a noise. I was like, could you be more descriptive? More descriptive? I want to do, I need to come back. You know what I mean? Like, you can lift more than me. I think you might be able to take them. And so we were in conversation. She goes, baby, for real, can you, can you come back? So I said, okay. So I turned around. She said, I just, need you, I just need you to check and make sure nobody's in the house. Okay. That was demonstration after explanation, you know what I'm saying? So I drive back to the house, and I go inside the house. And again, it's like 1 o'clock in the morning, and I go and get a butcher knife from the kitchen and a flashlight because now you're ready. And, and we start going through all the bedrooms, and I'm looking. She's you know, she on me like this right here. She's like, somebody in there? 
You know, I'm like, don't be touch, don't touch me. You know, and so we go through, we, we, we do the second floor, nobody's in the second floor, we do the third floor, nobody's in the third floor. The fourth floor is just an attic. These are the kind of stuff where this is like how the Chucky movies play out. You know what I'm talking about? Like this is this is bad. So I get up to the attic, we open the door, and then to make things worse, the attic is a straight hallway, but it just has this one turn. Behind, so they could be they could be behind the wall. And so I'm in the attic, flashlight, knife. I'm like, darling, come on. So in case he gets me, you can get him. You know what I'm saying? And we go in, and we, 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 you know, it's that whole, like, I'd love to set it up for you, but I'm, I'm not getting it. But like, all of a sudden, it's just like, huh, like, what, what was I going to do? You know, if he's there, I'm dead. You know what I mean? Like, this is not, I'm not prepared. I'm like, huh, ah, you know, it's, just, it's over. Question for you. All of you that go in the bathroom and pull the shower curtain back, what were you going to do? If somebody's there, you, you, were, you were dead. You know what I mean? And so, so nobody was there. And so we come downstairs. I'm thinking everything's good. I get to go home. I've demonstrated love. And she goes, baby, can you, can you just spend a night here tonight? <sighs> yes. So I go home real quick, get our clothes, come back. And what she didn't tell me is the room that we were going to sleep in was this guest room, okay? And you go in their guest room, and I'm not lying to you, no TV, nothing, just the bed. And then right at the foot of the bed is this picture, okay? It's about, I don't know, about, about three feet by four feet picture. And I looked for it to try to give you the example of it because you need to see it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to put it on social media. It's the outline of a face. And then it's got a, a black hole for an eye, a black hole for an eye, and a black hole for a mouth. Who buys that? <laughs> what, what psycho woman is in Hobby Lobby and says, I want that picture. Not the picture of the horses, not the Bible verse. I, I want the picture of the ghost freaky looking thing from Scream. And then the husband's like, where you want to put it? Because you know the husband didn't do it. And she goes, I'd like it to go right above, right in front of the guest bedroom. She knew what she was doing. I spent the whole night wide awake like this, just looking at him. You know what I mean? I closed my eyes and you could still see the outline of him and everything. I was freaking out. And I woke up when I said, hey, babe, you just need to understand, I'm demonstrating love for you. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that night, labor followed love. And in relationships, y'all, listen, as we're moving forward, because this series is over and we're going to go into the rest of the year and all that God's got for us. And guess what? Tomorrow, you're still going to have to deal with relationships. You're going to have to deal with your marriage. You're going to have to deal with your friends. You're going to have to deal with your coworkers, your boss, your kids, your parents. You're going to have to deal with all these different relationships. And I'm trying to let you see that if you'll put these three principles into those relationships, you're going to see success. You've got to commit to communication. You've got to, most of you, I, I never really thought about it. Most of you, that point too was probably new to you. And so tonight, you need to be thinking, what's my vision for the relationships in my life? And then be prepared to work after you say I love you. I love you is not, it's not a demonstration. It's a word. But, but love is an action, Right? And so this is what's so cool about the Spirit of God is as we were reading Rachel and Leah and these principles are kind of coming to us, the Lord said, hey, do me a favor. Go look at the most important relationship to me. That's what I felt the Spirit of God to me. The most relationship. Well, that's obviously us. So he said, go look at John 3, 16 and 17. Just go look at it. One of the most familiar verses in the Bible, right? Y'all are all pretty familiar with it. So watch this. So 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Watch this. This is God's demonstration of relationships for us by the demonstration of his love to us. Right off the bat, he loved the world that he gave. What is that? That's action following affection, right? He loved us, so he gave. It doesn't say, it doesn't say he loved us, so he said he loved us again. He loved us and he gave because action follows affection. Then you get into it, well, well, well who? You or me or the, the pastor, the spiritual person? No, whoever believes, he communicates it so clearly. We've done a great job of confusing it. But he did a great job of making it very clear. Everybody, whoever believes. And then this, I thought 17 was so great. It's vision. Here's the vision God has for you and I and our relationship. He did not send Jesus into the world to condemn us. The relationship is not about condemnation because Romans says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? But to save the world through him. That's the vision of his relationship with Jesus, to save us. So these principles are not something we came up with because they sound good and they articulate well. These are principles that God demonstrated for us in relationship by his relationship with Jesus and his relationship with us. So babe, come here for a second. I want to pray over as we close this series. Would you do me a favor? Would you just stand with me for a moment? We don't normally end service this way, but I want to. I just want to pray over the relationships in your life. You've got a lot of people in here. You're married. You're dating. Some people in here have been eyeing some girl over here. I'm eyeing a guy over here. We can hook you up. Uh, I done told you before. You single, get on the greeter team. You'll meet somebody real Just quick. Just use that line. Just use Just that say, line. Hey, yeah, when you leave today, if you like somebody, pretend like you're signing up at the small group they're signing up at and grab them and be like, can we do like we did last night? <laughs> After Just she kidding. smacks Don't you. Say that. <laughs> After she smacks you, come back. We'll pray for you, all right? But I want to pray for your jobs. It's a new year. I want, I want to pray for your kids. My gosh, if you're a parent, my heart be for you. If you're kids, you're dealing with your parents. I know we got some rough parents. I know what it's like. And here's why I know. Here's why I know I can have grace for your parents, kids, because I'm a parent. I know how hard it is. And they're doing their best they can the best they can. What an opportunity, right? So before we pray, just do me a favor and let those principles stick in your mind. Be committed to communication. Start valuing vision. And make sure you're prepared to have action follow affection. Amen? Lord, we thank you for who you are, your faithfulness. Thank you for everybody who calls Victory Church their home and for those that came in here today just looking for your presence wanting to be in a place where they could experience you and your relationship that you desire with them. And God, it's true. You, you, you have created us, and then you told us that it was not good for us to be alone, which means you literally commissioned us to have relationship. But you showed us the principles to do relationships well in the way you loved Christ and in the way you loved us. So I pray that we would take those principles and we would apply them to every relationship in our life. I pray right now for every marriage, God, that you'd see an abundance of communication. I pray you'd see vision cast and labor that would follow love. 
I pray for every parent right now who's trying their best to just raise their kids and, and they're dealing with dysfunction that they had when they were growing up and God, just give them grace and mercy and leading. Let them lean on you and follow you. I pray for every kid who's trying to learn how to explain who they are and their vision and their desires and God, they're trying to process it with their parents. I pray you give them patience and give them a desire for you. I pray for every person, every coworker, every boss. God, I pray vision into those businesses, into those workplaces. That, God, we would leave here today not just um, dealing with relationships, but that we would have a purpose in relationships. Everybody does relationship, but not everybody does it on purpose. So, God, help us with that today. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...